You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. in Philly on a Tuesday. It is the Out of Sight Podcast. It is the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, a series of Vox Media Podcasts. I am your host, Adil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. The preseason has officially wrapped up and there is some talk, there's some news, there's some rumblings. Gonna start with uh, a little familiar territory and that's the con- and that's the concept of a competition in philadelphia sports lexicon we always love the backup quarterback thing so why why not have a why not have a point guard competition in the Sixers backcourt why not right it's all fun it's all fun in games until you know what somebody comes back that we may or may not have wanted back but that we'll get into that in a second but i got jazz Kang, i got jazz kang on the line and uh yeah we're gonna get into this potential point guard competition and uh other stuff as well involving a certain rich paul client who came back to the team last night i believe he was either in the building or near the building but first jazz how you doing i'm good excited to be on with you been we've been chatting on and off really not on air so uh i'm excited to be on with you I, I am too. If, if you don't know, Jazz is the gentleman who is pretty much running the podcast network and uh, he, he's doing all the stuff behind the scenes, but he's also a very knowledgeable basketball fan. I mean, why wouldn't he be like he he, he works for Vox Media on this site, so we, we don't just hire scrubs out here. Um, so the point guard competition. When Ben Simmons did his thing, it was. Shake versus Tyrese Maxey. And we've seen runs in the preseason where Shake is with the ones and then Tyrese is with the ones. And after all three of those games, I mean, Tyrese wasn't playing last night, but is there any clear winner, so to speak, quote unquote? Uh, you know, it's interesting because you know, being out there for, for training camp and, and media day, that was one thing we wanted to try and, you know, dive into. It's, okay, what are they going to do at the point guard spot? Because I think, you know, even when you look at that game that they played against the Nets, where obviously you're missing, you know, Maxi, uh, Shake Milton wasn't playing, Riller is out long-term, you know, it was, it was like, what, what, what's going to happen? Then we saw Furt go crazy last night. We saw Isaiah Joe play. Um, but it's interesting right. to note, None of the none of the guards, none of the Sixers guards had more than five assists. Andre Drummond led the team with six assists in the game, which is um, hilarious, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know Andre Drummond had any playmaking abilities. To <laughs> that, but I mean, seeing him pass the way he has, and it's like, okay, Doc Doc is doing something right, and you know, it's good to know that when Joe does need some rest, hopefully he doesn't deal with any injuries. But when he does deal with some rest, um, you know, you have somebody out there who 
who you can run the offense through in Drummond. Now, I don't think there's a clear winner. I love what Tyrese Maxey brings and just watching them practice in the, in the limited amount of time we were allowed in there, you could see his aggressiveness and you could see what he's bringing to the table. So now the question becomes, are you better off bringing Maxey off the bench as a guy who can really run the second unit? And of course, now we have a certain guy who showed up at the team facility without telling anyone <laughs> going to complicate matters further. So uh, I, I don't know how this is going to play out. Adil, what is your thoughts on it so far? Here's my thing. I always felt that with Simmons out, it's going to be a preferential like matchups thing, right? Like some nights you're going to want Maxi in the starting lineup. Other nights you want shake and a shooting out there. And it's just a simple method of, Okay, I play NBA 2K all the time and I set my rotations. So it could be something to the point of like, okay, split the time evenly. Or they do what the Villanova Wildcats have done for the longest time. And they have that sixth guard, but he gets starters minutes. So, you know, Shake or Maxi just playing 30 minutes a game like he's a starter, but not technically a starter from the box score perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, Doc is saying he's just looking at different guys. And like Paul quoted him in his piece, he's just saying, just looking at different guys. I liked him. He was talking about shake. I thought he played well, thought he settled down. He struggled early and then really started playing really well. So yeah, I mean, it's a competition. So Doc seems to think it's a competition, but Joel Embiid doesn't think that way. Danny Green doesn't think that way. So maybe there's a point where it should just be, okay, somebody is going to start the tip off, but whoever is not, uh, stay ready because you're getting in for like 30, 35 minutes. Here's the thing, Adil. If you look at it like basketball as a whole, this is my opinion on it, right? We look at it and think, okay, who's in the starting lineup? Because you automatically naturally assume that whoever's starting, those are your five best players or the five best best five-man lineup you can put together. Right. To me, I look at it and think, okay, it's not about who starts, it's about who finishes, right? Because Correct. the game, don't get me wrong, two points in the first quarter is just as important as two points in the fourth quarter in the grand scheme of things. But situationally, obviously the pressure is on and you're looking to see who can deliver when you're, you're stuck at, you know, the score's 105, 103, and you need a bucket with two minutes left. Uh, I think that's where we're going to have to look at how doc plays this out because you know, there were some rumblings when, when shake started with the uh, w- you know, I think it was game two against the Raptors where he was out there and, and people are like, what the hell going on here? You know what I mean? And I think that's the way um, doc would have done things. Right. I, 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 this one thing I don't like about the NBA and this is one thing I noticed about the Lakers when they won the championship in 2020 was Frank Vogel was very well. And again, I don't know how much the being in the bubble had to do with that. But <laughs> Frank Vogel was very willing to play with his lineups and he was willing to change uh, rotations, change starters, depending on who the opponent was. And I think that's something we don't see enough of in the, in the NBA, whereas the NFL, you, know, you have a different game plan every week, depending on who you're playing against. And so for me, I'm looking at this and thinking, okay, again, we don't know if Ben actually intends on playing a game or not. If he does naturally and, and, and just given his talent level, he would be the guy, despite what we saw at the, you know, in the, <laughs> in the last season, I obviously think he would be the guy to be on the court, but I, I think it's going to depend on 
who Doc trusts to finish the game. And and if he's going to go with, okay, I like what Maxie's bringing today, I'm going to leave Tyrese Maxie out on the court to finish off this one. I like what Shake Milton's played like today, I'm going to go with Shake, or, or maybe you won't go with uh, any point guard, and you're going to go with like this five-man unit that's really about ball sharing. So I, I think this stuff is all like, you know, it's it's when we're looking at this as a whole, we're just over a week away now from the regular season. I think one knock on Doc Rivers has always been his lack of adjustments and he's made some, you know, grave errors. We saw that with, with the Clippers uh, during the Lob City era where that team underachieved and people were saying he needed to, to change things up. So I do think ultimately you'll see Doc start to kind of use a different lineup and a different formation depending on on what's happening but again i think if ben is there and and ben is fully engaged and is ready to play that changes the entire equation that we're, we're talking about here that's a that's a giant if and we'll we'll get into that in the second half of this podcast but i want to go back to something you were saying about the the closers right i do agree with you that it's something that is we we've evolved from the starters to like it's important to have the right men on the court in the final four or five minutes of a game. I think that's mind. I, I think it's more important, honestly, because, you know, if shake is having a really nice game, then like, why not just leave him out there? If Maxie's having a really good game, taking his man off the dribble and getting the floaters and all like that. And if his uh, jumper is coming along the way it, should be in preseason and in summer league like hell i can't argue that if either of those guys are in the closing five i i can't argue against either of those guys if if again you know simmons is unavailable yeah and, and I, again i i think that's I, i'm with you on that i, I think maxi is clearly the most talented I think Maxi gives you the most upside out of any of those guys and anybody you want to see out there. And like I said, just the way he was shooting the rock, um, his his pull-up three, he, he, he really talked about that at media day. That's something that he wanted to focus on in the offseason. Tobias Harris also said that as well. So when you're looking at this, I, I think Maxi would be kind of the clubhouse leader to close out the games. But again, um, you know, if, if he's a second-year guy, uh, if he struggles a bit, then you'll you'll see, you know, Isaiah Joe maybe getting some runs sometimes. Um, we mentioned Shake, who has been quote unquote shaky, and it's such a bad pun, but um, fine. We've been, been doing it for years. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> he's, been sh- he's been shaky on in terms of uh, his consistency. So, uh, I, you know, I, I do. I just think Maxi is is the best overall player um, and gives him the most out of that group. But again, you know, we got an elephant in the room that that we're going to start getting answers on in the in the coming days here. And I brought this up before with Tom uh, last week and then all over the Slack channels. Like, I can see Tyrese Maxey in the starting lineup and just playing like a regular old starter in the traditional sense of the term. And, yeah, I, I see the potential for like a Markel Fultz-type uh, catastrophe. I also see kind of where, you know, when the Celtics had their big three and Rondo came in, and Rondo was just doing Rondo things and the Celtics won a title. Like I could see both of those things happening. If I'm Dr. Strange in the Marvel universe, there, there, there are, <laughs> there's a litany of universes that could happen. Like I tend to gravitate towards the Rajon Rondo experience because let's face it, uh, Maxie's young, fun, aggressive, uh, sometimes to a fault. But I mean, I, I really like the idea of Maxie in the starting lineup from the tip and then just bringing shake as the hot hand off the bench. That's always where I've been with this. 
Yeah, and that's you know, again, that's not that that to me would be the right right way to do it. Again, depending on what happens with Ben, but uh, I'm with you on that. I, I think you would you would want to have because the Sixers one thing that they they need to to address at some point, and they've kind of gotten away with it so far in the in the preseason. Uh, like I said, is is somebody who can can create. And if you look at that, Maxi is that guy, right? If you look at their starting lineup, um, you go with Toby, Joel, uh, Danny Green. Um, you know, the, depending on what happens in in the backcourt, but you're going to have, you know, Seth Curry, you're going to have uh, Maxi or Ben Simmons, whoever it is. I just think they need to have, they have the shooting. And I, you know, like I, I love what George Niang brings off the bench. He's a huge upgrade over Mike Scott. Love George uh, so, Niang. Yeah. And, and, you know, even the way he he's tough as nails and diving for loose balls in the preseason, you, you love to see that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a thing of, it's a thing of um, what, what, what weakness does your team need to address? And I think at some point the, the shot creator and a guy who can break things down off the, off the top of the key uh, or an ISO situations, Maxi is that guy to me. I, I, I love George Niang diving for loose balls in the preseason. It's almost like he did all of the research on like what types of players Philadelphians like. <laughs> it was just like, okay, I'm going down this entire checklist. I'm making sure from jump street, I make this happen. Um, well, he said it, man. I mean, he, said it. he goes, I'm a Northeast guy, man. And he, <laughs> like, that's, what I, that's what I'm bringing to the table. So I think he did his homework. He knew what he was getting into uh, uh, before before he, he signed on with the Sixers. So I think he's going to be a great fit. I think he spaces the floor really well for, for the big men in, in Joel and Andre Drummond. So again, not going to be a crazy offensive player in terms of output, but he could shoot the three, shoots over 40% for his career. Uh, he, he's a guy I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing getting regular minutes on this squad as well. With Maxi or Milton, doesn't matter who's there in that lineup. Um, is there a preference you feel defensively? Does one per does one player have a leg up on the other one that way? Because I feel like Shake definitely took strides last year defensively, and you know Matt Maxi's young; he's still a little wet behind the ears, but he's learning from guys like Danny Green and Matisse Thybul. So that's something. Yeah, you know, and that's one area of his game he has to he has to get better at, right? Uh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it when it comes to 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 Maxi. And I think that, you know, when you're looking at the defensive end of things, the Sixers have so many good defenders that you can mask a guy like Maxi who who might, you know, uh, get beaten off the dribble and and still needs to put on a little bit of weight in terms of when he's guarding the, the bigger dudes, but a little um, undersized, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little undersized. And, and, you know, look at the, the differences in even their defensive rating last season. You know, Maxi had the worst defensive rating on the team off anybody who actually played, you know, a, a meaningful amount of games. And so Shake has been better in, in that regard. But again, you know, I, I think with, with having Joel Embiid kind of as the, as the anchor on that squad in terms of defensively, and again, if, if, if Ben's out there with that lineup, Danny Green's obviously shown he can hold his own throughout his career. I love what Isaiah Joe's brought in terms of defensively. So they got enough guys that they can mask uh, Maxi's deficiencies a little bit in terms of on the defensive end. He's not terrible by any means. He's just, he's not up to speed, I think, with the rest of the squad. So I think Shake has the advantage there. But ultimately, again, if you're looking at, at, at the pros and cons and, and, and kind of what the weight is of, okay, what's our, what's our floor? What's our ceiling? Uh, again, I just think Maxi is that guy in terms of overall compared to Shake. We're, we're talking lineups, assuming that like, Ben is, you know, he's he's not going to be like going all out, so to speak, because, you know, he's trying to protect his health and his trade value at the same time, which makes no sense. But if he's not like going hard, like a thousand percent, 
the whole Matisse Thibault becomes interesting with either Shake or Maxi in the starting lineup because you get what you lose from Simmons defensively, but offensively you kind of miss a little bit. Is I feel like Maxi is probably better suited in that regard where it's Maxi, you pick up what Simmons does offensively with him. And then defensively, you pick up with Thibel in the starting lineup. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And and again, I think Thibel is is another guy who will be able to make uh, uh, make some strides this year. You know, and and you look at what he brings, and and that's where I'm saying I think the Sixers have so many guys on the team that that are difference makers on the defensive end um, that they're they're going to be in a good spot. Uh, you know, in terms of protecting their own basket, uh, regardless of what lineup Doc puts out there, because it's not like he has this team that is you only got three or four really strong defenders and, and you have to have a couple of them on the court at all times. I think if you're looking at this, the, the entire team is, has shown the ability to defend and, and playing meaningful minutes. So I, I think with, with, with Thibault, um, like we mentioned, Danny Green and, and some of the other perimeter guys that they have, I think no matter what, they're, they're going to be okay on the defensive end. And when I say okay, I mean they'll be in the top five again uh, overall in the league. And that's, what, that's, that's the thing that boggles my mind. Like everybody's saying like, oh, Sim, we're not going to have Simmons. Our defensive ratings are going to be in the tank. I'm like, wait a second. Simmons was the team's best perimeter defender, but it's not like they don't have perimeter defenders at all. Like, I, I think it's, I think that's being blown a little bit too much out of proportion. Yeah. You know, they're losing an all NBA defense type player. Obviously not going to help, you know, it's not not easy. It's not going to help for sure. But it's not going to torpedo their, their defense. And if you look at it, uh, obviously perimeter defending is, is at a premium in the new NBA compared to what, you know, I saw growing up in the, in the nineties and, and, and two thousands. But when you look at how this team would play, how this team, I mean, yeah, that was a way different game. Back <laughs> that, that, game. That, that Pat Riley beat the hell out of anybody oh, yeah, that yeah, comes into the lane type basketball. We used, to, we used to look forward to watching games that finished 80 to 77. So, I mean, that's what, that's what the <laughs> basketball was like, but I, I think the importance of having a big man who's a rim protector, a big man who's going to alter shots ultimately in, in, in terms of a, you know, being at the basket and being the last line of defense. I think with, with Embiid there, they're, they're just going to, they're, they might drop off a little bit and that's not a knock on Ben, who is a phenomenal perimeter defender overall and, and can hold his own down low as well. Um, but ultimately I, I just think that he, it, the Sixers aren't going to take too much of a hit or as much as people might think they will without uh without ben simmons there and that's because they have that joel Embiid safety net protecting their protecting their own rim and that's the thing like so okay so the sixers are gonna win more you know 125 121 games as opposed to like you know 93 87s it's fine if we're still getting the dubs who cares yeah yeah and that's what it's about man and, and i think that this is why i really like the way um Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers have approached this whole thing where, where it comes to the, the Simmons situation, which I know we've talked about about 4,500 times on the podcast <laughs> network, but obviously it's a it, major story. It'll, it'll be 4,501 after this Exactly, one. <laughs> Exactly. It'll be 502, 503 by the end of the week. But yeah, um, it just keeps going. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's just going to keep on, keep on rolling through. But it's, I don't know. I mean, it's the way they approach this is, dude, we got a good team. We still got a very good team. Are we at Brooklyn and Milwaukee's level? Maybe not, but there's a lot of time until we get to February at that trade deadline where we're going to have time to, to add 
another significant piece. And, and, you know, tying that all together, I think when, when I'm looking at it is the way Maury and, and Elton Brand and, and Doc Rivers, the way they've handled this whole thing with Simmons, I think has been absolutely correct in the sense that we're not going to get bullied into anything. You've proved your point. You didn't want to show up. You lost out on over a million bucks. You know what I mean? In salary. Um, so really the, the decision's up to you, but we're not going to get strong armed into making a panic decision because we have a very good team as we are. We're, we're at a three, four, five, maybe seed right now at worst, I think in the Eastern conference. So I think overall the wins will come. And that's why I've been saying too, like, even if Ben doesn't play, I'm hoping the Sixers start off, you know, 15 and five, 16 and four, because then again, they have that, that leeway and looking at what's going to happen in Portland. I don't see the Blazers getting that much better. They didn't make any moves of, of significance. They didn't do anything great in terms of uh, adding another piece that will maybe help uh, uh, Damian Lillard want to stay there. So I think you're going to have to let this situation play out with Lillard, with Beal, because every team is so optimistic that they're, you know, the GMs are looking at this like, we built a great, great, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Portland's, yeah, Portland's, Portland's way to make Damian Lillard happier was overpaying for Norman Powell. Nice job, fellas. Yeah, yeah, there you go, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, good, good job. And I think that's where the mistake is going to come in is that um, the, the, they made errors uh, in terms of, I think the league did in, in terms of maybe looking at, okay, we might be able to uh, give the Sixers 60 cents on the dollar for Ben or the Sixers are going to make a panic move, which historically, if you know Daryl Morey's history, that wasn't going to happen. So no. I, yeah, and I think they've, I think they've done it right, Adil. I, I just think that th- this is going to be something that, and, and, you know, just being around the guys and talking to them, um, they're, they mean business this season. And, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're looking at it like, no, nah, man, we want to prove we can win and we're going to do it with or without Ben. Obviously Ben helps, but I, I think the Sixers are going to get off to a really strong start. I think they're motivated and I'm looking forward to see how things shake out, especially over the first 15, 20 games. All right. This sounds like a perfect time to take a little breather, pay some bills a little bit. And then, then, then we'll get into the heavier Ben Simmons discussion because, uh, I, Apologies, Steve Littman. Uh, ben Simmons is back in the building, so it looks like you're going to have to put up with him for a couple of more months. Uh, <laughs> out of sight, Jazz Cam, back in a second. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, Jazz. Um, ben Simmons returned to Philadelphia. He was in the building. I, I don't know if somebody picked him up at the airport, or if he just had somebody lift him to the facility. Uh, I don't know if his key card was working. They had to give him a new one. But this is just now a circus of epic proportions and i really hope that the team and the writers and all the media i hope we're all ready for this because it's main event time 
Oh, it's a hundred percent main event time. You know oh, what the funny God. part? I actually reco- I recorded a pod on uh, on on Friday, and I was talking about this, and I was just like, oh well, you know, I think this thing is going to take some time to to figure out, and uh, it happened. It happened within a week, and and I just think that you know we look at this and we look at the NBA players, and and we think, oh man, you know, look at these guys that get paid very very handsomely to play a sport. Um, and, you know, they could be they could be babies about it. And, they you know, we call them out for their attitude. But when you look at this overall, uh, nobody says no to money. You know what I'm saying? And, yes. and if you're, if you're looking at over a million dollars in salary and that's going to that would have kept on going at 360 grand a pop. Plus, he get he can get charged up to 50 grand per mispractice. That's at the team's discretion. I don't, they, they haven't made that public what they've been what they've been finding and for missing practices. So if you're looking at that, the money talks, man. And, and, and you know, the fact that. Uh, he was losing out on all this shit. And this, again, for somebody like us, we're like a million dollars, man. You could do whatever you want to me. I don't give a crap. I'll just go out. <laughs> but uh, for him, you know, losing out, losing out on the money like that, uh, I think it's 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 for they they handle this right. And and the way you're you're saying it too, it's like what happened when he showed up in Philly? Did he just take an Uber from the airport? Did he? <laughs> I'm a private jet. How did this all work? And how did nobody know about this? Because I know damn well Daryl Morey wasn't shelling out the money for like a black car. Like that no. wasn't happening. It's no, like no Uber pool or something like that. Maybe like no, just like no, you're, you're taking a taxi, my man. That's what's happening. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, you know, him showing up and, and reportedly, you know, Scott Van Pelt said this on Sports Center on, on Monday evening is that uh yeah, he showed up and just gave a text to Elton Brand that he was there. And I thought, like, well, this is kind of weird, you know? Like, you think you've got to tell these guys before showing up, but he did he a COVID sent, test. He, and, just, he, yeah. just sends a t- he just sends a text message like a child locked out of the house texting his mom. It's just like, can you open the door for me? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm here. How you doing? Yeah, 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 I'm outside. You know, can you help me out? That was, that was just weird, too. It's a crazy, uh, it's a crazy thing. With with Simmons and the money, and I I want to quote somebody. I really don't want to, but I feel like I have to because it's Philadelphia sports radio, and I hate bringing it up because it just makes me want to punch walls. But John Johnson at WIP pretty much called Simmons a gutless coward for coming back simply because of the money. And yeah. I, res- I responded, I'm like, okay, because that's the only thing it could be. Uh, it's not that Simmons and Clutch Sports are trying to do everything possible to repair his flailing trade value and maybe get him out of this situation no that can't be it at all there there can't be some larger scheme it's always got to be about the money it's always about the money okay it's- all right fine yeah that's the way i look at it but i mean honestly given the situation and, and maybe i'm just giving rich paul way too much uh intellectual credit i'm sorry maybe well yeah he's got to do and you know i've said this as well you know it's like he's got to do what's best for his client and if we're what's best for his client right now you want to sit out and miss out on all those game checks and you want to miss out like i said on 360 grand that's almost you know over a million dollars a week if you're playing three games a week and uh-huh you're looking at that and it's like okay how is that going to benefit my client? If he's sitting on the sideline and he wants to get, I, I think he's going to get traded this season. I, I don't think see this turning into like a, uh, I know Maury referenced the Aaron Rodgers thing uh, during media day. I don't, I don't think that's, it's going to turn out that way, but you got to get on the court. You got to make other teams want you yes. at this point, because their last, their last memory of, of you playing was you really playing like a little, what, you know, what during the, during the second, <laughs> second round, uh, you passing up that ball and, and instead of taking a dunk. So teams are questioning you too. And they don't want to, you know, doing a four year, uh, paying a man $145 million over four years. If you get that wrong, that, that you're going to get fired as a GM. You know what I mean? If you take a, if you take a bet on a guy that you're not sure about and, and you lose that one, 
you're, you're going to be unemployed real quick. So I think that it's best for Ben, obviously financially to show up, but I also think for him, he's got to re replenish his stock, re, you know, re up his, his, his reputation around the league for being a difference maker. And if he can come on the court and actually do that again, I don't know if he's going to suit up or not, but I think that's in his best interest ultimately for the long run as well. It's funny that you get into like what the plan is and Seamus Clancy uh, actually wrote a piece yesterday and it's the title is simple. What does Ben Simmons want? Yeah. That was a great is, one. Is that, is that kind of the plan is, I would think that is what he wants more than anything, just to show other GMs, other teams that, yeah, I'm still this guy and this is what you're getting if you trade for me. Like that has to be 1000% the goal with his camp right now. I, yeah, I, I don't like, you know, what's the situation? He wants to come to the California teams. You ain't coming to the Lakers and Clippers. They don't have, they don't have the assets, nor do they have the financial room to, to make a deal happen. Unless you're the Clippers are sending out Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, which I don't, I, I don't see happening. You know? I, I wouldn't mind Paul George, oh, but course. you know, of course, Paul George will look, Paul George will look great next to okay. <laughs> but I mean, you know, what team wants him? And, and so you look at a team like the Kings who, uh, you know, from what I understand, De'Aaron Fox is the cornerstone of that franchise. I don't see them trading him right away, but you can get a nice young piece. I think Tyrese Halliburton will develop into a fringe all-star type player, maybe even a regular all-star. So if the Kings start off, you know, cold, I think this is this is the best way for, for Ben's camp to approach it. You, you don't have one year left on your deal, similar to what Anthony Davis did. You have four years left. And so really yeah. you're, you're behind a, you're behind a, a eight ball in terms of what your value is and, and coming off a series and a playoff where you played like crap, you couldn't hit a free throw. Um, this is not, it's not a great situation for him either. And I think he, I think they overflexed, you know what I mean? Clutched it in, in this sense yeah. that they'll be able to bully the Sixers into making a deal. Daryl didn't budge and, and here we are. And I've had that conversation on podcast before where like, okay, Rich, you're used to dealing with owners like Dan Gilbert and general managers like who are the, the litany of Cleveland general managers where, you know, it was LeBron who was the general manager. Let's be real. But this ownership group with Daryl Morey, uh, sorry, this is a whole different ball game. And mm -hmm. Daryl is not that dude to just make a trade just to make a trade. Yeah, he's never he's never done that. And I don't know if you saw Stephen A. Smith's uh, little, you know, uh, his little tirade, his little thing. Yeah. yeah. thing that he said about, uh, you know, Daryl looking to get James Harden out of out of Brooklyn. I mean, I think that's BS. I don't, I don't think that no. there's any chance that the, the Nets are moving on from from James Harden after, you know, a year, less than a year after acquiring him, they want to see what they could do with a full off season. The Nets have their own problems with a point. They got, yeah. They got their own thing to deal with. One of their superstars obviously sitting out too. So uh, I mean, I love the NBA for this. Cause it's a, it's a year round circus. And, you know, again, being at my age, I, I remember the days when you had the draft, you had maybe about a week of, of exciting, not even a week, maybe like three or four days of excited excitement during free agency. And then it was just dead. Yeah. <laughs> rolled around and now we're getting superstars you know complaining and, and different stuff happening every day so for us 
from a content standpoint, this is great, but this is fantastic uh, for the content oh, creators. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is this is fantastic for us. But again, I I, I don't see it, Brooklyn doing anything uh, big right now. Um, I've, you know, they still got to wait to see what happens with Kyrie because you know they're basically saying he's not going to be with the team until he's ready to be there full time. Uh, so you know, I think all this stuff it, it's it's as fun as it is to talk about, and as much as Ben's going to be at the forefront of anything to do with the Sixers for the next you know, a month or so, however long he lasts. Um, I, I do think we just have to be more patient in, in the sense of, and when I say we, I meant just the basketball universe in the sense of um, this thing's going to play out over time. And, and like I said earlier, every GM is looking at it like, well, we got a shot at, uh, you know, so-and-so something, this breaks right and this goes right. Maybe we can get into the sixth seed or we'll get into <laughs> for the teams who are like Orlando, like hell, maybe we can get into uh, a play-in seed. You know what I mean? And the, the bulls might think they they can be better than what they are. So I think all of this stuff, you just have to wait till it plays out, see what happens with teams like Washington with Portland. You might have another superstar become available because X team, you know, starts off terribly. So I, I just think there's so much left to play out with all this that we just kind of have to be patient, but it's going to be fun to talk about until, until anything does transpire. There's so much hope among the Liberty Baller slack, and I, I don't get it. Like me, uh, everybody is really hoping that like Chicago starts slow and then, oh, Zach Levine, here we go. I'm like, no, no, any, any superstar but Zach Levine, just please. I don't. This is the thing, Jazz. I think that Zach Levine is a fine player, but. I personally don't believe in the player that had jumps in offense across the board for one season. I don't mm -hmm. believe that. He had career numbers offensively across the board last year. I'm not buying that for one season. I'm sorry. I got to see a couple of months, okay? That's just me, fellas. I'm sorry. That's how it is. Oh, I'm with you on that. I Don't get me wrong. Thank I, I you. I think I think Levine is a, is is a very capable player. I think he's a very uh, very good player. He's an all star level guy. But again, you mentioned that you got to be careful with with certain teams that are are you know not very good. The Bulls were not very good last season, and and so you're gonna have guys put up numbers. And and I don't know if you would remember this, but you know back in the day, the the Raptors were, weren't a very good team. They had Mike James who, you know, put up 20 points a game, seven assists. The team only won like 25 you know, <laughs> games overall. But then he, you know, parlayed that into a fat contract. I'm not saying that I think Zach Levine's on a different way, different level than Mike James is. Yeah. But I think you just got to be careful with it all. And I think that's what I'm saying. I think if you give this time um, to play out, you're going to see which guys might be able to be um, useful and which guys aren't. And, and again, if, if Levine is, is putting up the same type of numbers, he put up last season and doing that consistently again this season, but the bulls aren't winning, then they might look to move him and, and, and get Ben. So I, again, I think we have to get, and December 15th is a big day because that's when uh, some of the guys who sign new contracts become available. They, they don't have any trade restrictions anymore. So yep. I just think this whole thing is going to take time to, to figure out and play out. I think the Sixers are in a really good position right now, based off of everything else that's happening in the Eastern conference. We were talking about Brooklyn. We we're talking about Kyrie Irving and he's going to not be participating until he gets vaccinated. And I'm looking at some of these odds, like I'm on FanDuel right now, like the Brooklyn Nets over under is 55 and a half. Like, no, take the under all day on that. Like, and I know what you're saying about the Sixers being like a three to five seed in the Eastern Conference at when it's all like fleshed out at the end of the season. I don't personally, I don't think there's any way they're less than third. Because I don't know if the rest of the Eastern Conference is as good. I'm not a thousand percent buying Miami. 
Brooklyn, we know they're going to have their problems. Milwaukee's probably going to be the top seed in the East, but like, I don't see any other team that's going to take that top three leap. I'm sorry. I just don't. In Indiana, Chicago, you're telling me that's going to happen? Charlotte? No. I don't see no. any of that. No, I'm with you. I'm not sold on. I mean, I, I like uh, Jimmy Butler and, and, and Kyle Lowry and their hard-nosed guys and, and the way that Miami team is set up. But I'm with you. I, I don't – again, I think that uh, if, the, if the Sixers deal with struggles in terms of creating, I think they could dip to 4-5. But I, I'm with you. I, I think they're at, at the very least a 3-4 seed right now. And again, 5 if, if things maybe don't go right. But nobody in the East – other than Milwaukee and Brooklyn, you're really looking at it and thinking, okay, that's a, that you, some, you know, I'm sure Atlanta Hawks fans would say, well, you know, we're, we're better than you guys. Yeah, no, 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 no. Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks fans settle down. Okay. You had, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, you caught some, they, you, you caught some breaks and you got the Knicks in the first round. Okay. Like yeah. let's, let's just stop right there. It's the Knicks. Okay? Yeah, they, you, they can look at it. I think Chicago did make some nice additions, but none of those teams to me, are championship level squads, right? And and you look at that and and say, okay, does Chicago have an MVP candidate? No, but they got some nice players. I you know we you mentioned yeah. Zach Levine. I like Demar Derozan. I, I like Vucevic as as a center. Uh, I think Kobe White will come along, and I think Lonzo actually is is underrated at this point, where he went from overrated to underrated. So I think he's he's another piece for them. But do, do they have an MVP, MVP type guy that puts them ahead of the Sixers? No, to me, uh, Boston might be able to bounce back a little bit if if Tatum comes back a little bit stronger. Jalen Brown's going to be healthy, but none of those teams really scare me to the point that I think they're definitively better than the Sixers other than Brooklyn and Milwaukee on paper. And again, I think that changes if you have Ben Simmons or a similar type player in the lineup with them. And and let's say that Simmons gets dealt to like Indiana, for example, for Brogdon and Levert and some picks, which I'm actually a thousand percent on board with that trade. Uh, yeah, I, I feel really good about the Sixers may, maybe being the, the two seed if that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm with you on that. And and I like Karis LeVert a lot. Um, injuries are obviously an issue for him. He hasn't played more than, than 50 games since 2017, 2018. So that's something that you'd have to be worried about with LeVert. But uh, I, again, I, and I don't, I, I think that offer might have been on the table. I, I'm not saying this from any point of knowledge. I, I think the the Sixers might have. Yeah, this is all you know, pure speculation. Like we're yeah, just throw, we're just, just we're just throwing stuff out and just maybe general managers hear us and they're just like, oh. That sounds interesting. Let me call Daryl. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I think if the if the Sixers did make that trade again, I, I think they would have been selling a bit short. I, I, as much as I like the trade package, I still think there there is a market out there for Ben that can improve as long as he plays. And I, I'm really, really keeping. I I don't know how serious Bradley Beal is is about leaving Washington. Uh, by all accounts, if he does sign that extension uh, to stay there, coming up, you know. The, obviously he's not going to go anywhere anytime soon, but I, I really am going to keep my eye on what happens in, in Portland because um, I think Lillard will give Chauncey Billups a chance. I just don't, and I'm not knocking Chauncey at all. He might turn out to be a fantastic head coach. I just don't think they have the horses to compete with the, with the upper echelon teams in the West. And so I think that situation with Dame could, uh, could take a turn for the worse for Portland in the next couple of months. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying I got, <laughs> I took a long shot bet with golden state, plus 1200 to win the West. And I, I, I feel pretty damn good about that as a long, I shot. like that bet. I like, I, I, like <laughs> I do. I mean, I, that, you should tell me where you got those odds. I got to hop in on that too, because it's, it's, FanDuel, I mean, it's worth a look, Jess. 
<laughs> I live in California, so it's hard for we don't even have access to sports betting yet. Okay, so I gotta I gotta figure out a way to do this. Well, we'll we'll talk off air. We'll we'll get All you right. squared away. <laughs> um, but it, in the meantime, you know Ben's gonna be coming back, and it's gonna be fun the the rest of this week. And you know. We, of course, at Liberty Ballers will be all over it. Uh, again, much to Steve Littman's chagrin and disappointment. But the rest of us will be happy to report on all of this and just, you know, go through all the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows. But just wanted to thank Jazz again for coming on the pod and chatting about this point guard situation and the Ben Simmons continued roller coaster. This is like worse than when the Eagles signed Tim Tebow. It's almost as bad. It's almost as ridiculous from a circus standpoint. I, I just want it to be over. I just want it to be done. That's it. I'm tired of it. <laughs> well, you know what? The deal, you're going to have some patience, man, because that, this this is not uh, anytime soon. So, yeah, you're going to have to talk about this each week on Out of Sight. So I'm just saying, a, I'm just saying before before this offseason, everybody will tell you, I was the biggest Keith Ben Simmons supporter. I was like Jon Snow on the wall defending this guy. <laughs> And just if I if I'm done, then it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, you know what? Like Jon Snow realized after he got stabbed by all those guys, it was time to move on. So at least you made your, you made the right decision. Now it's your time to go uh, conquer the rest of the kingdom, and hopefully the Sixers can too. Deep Game of Thrones cuts. Thanks, Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> As always, um, Jazz. Where can people uh, follow you on Twitter? Like I know that you like do podcasts and things for the site, but maybe if you want to reach out to you on Twitter. Yeah, they can hit me at, uh, at jazzkang21. That's J-A-S-K-A-N-G-21. If you're wondering what the 21 means, uh, I'm one of those guys who used to play basketball in high school and college, and I just never got rid of the number. So I'm a little bit like Al Bundy hanging on to my glory days with the 21. But wow. Anytime. <laughs> Appreciate having you on, Jazz. I'll talk to you soon, my friend.